Welcome to the Faith and Money podcast, where we discuss the Bible's teaching on money, wealth, and generosity. Here at the Faith and Money podcast, we are passionate about helping our listeners to love God better and their neighbor better with their money. The Bible speaks about money, wealth, and generosity over 2,000 times, and we are committed to helping our listeners exercise faith, joy, and contentment with the wealth entrusted to them by God. As always, we are your hosts, Keith Conley and Crystal Wampler. Keith is the president and CEO of True Legacy Financial Planning, a financial advisory firm that serves clients who desire to receive biblical wisdom with their financial advice. Keith specializes in working with faith-based business owners, churches, and other nonprofits, ministers, and high net worth families of faith. His website is www.truelegacyfp.com. My name is Crystal Wampler, and I'm the CEO and founder of Kinethic, a cannabis financial advisory solutions group based in Orange County, California. I am also the co-founder and co-host of The Crypto Cannabis Show, an international faith-based show that gives business owners within the five C's, Christ, Cannabis, cryptocurrency, cybersecurity, and CPAs, a platform to network and pitch their companies to help find investors, advisors, and partnerships. I also serve on the board of directors for the International Cannabis Business Women's Association, an association focused on helping women launch into the cannabis industry. My website is www.canethics.com. Crystal, it's good to see you. You doing well? I am, thank you. It's so nice to see you as well, Keith. You doing well? Better than I deserve. You know, I, you know, since you've left California, a lot of things have happened here, but you're probably better off outside of California. So my hat's off to you. And that's a no-brainer, Keith. <laughs> so are you following the NHL or NBA playoffs? I am. I'm following the NBA playoffs. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are three to one on the Timberwolves. And my favorite player is Nikola Jokic, a.k.a. the Joker. Yeah, well, when I was in high school, I was on one of the at the time, the nation's best wrestling team, one of them at least. And uh, I used to wear a shirt that says the site I adore on a basketball floor is wrestling mats from door to door. um, no I'm not paying attention to the NBA playoffs but you know speaking of sports why did the chicken cross the basketball court oh my goodness another dad joke why why Keith you heard the ref was blowing fouls (laughs) (laughs) definitely a great segue into our guest today Jake Marvin welcome Jake Thanks, guys. Thanks, uh, Keith. Thanks, Crystal. Appreciate you guys having me today. Absolutely. So, Jake, I, I've been I've been dying to ask. I hear that you can dunk on LeBron James. Um, <laughs> Keith, I would love to think so. Um, I am the same height as LeBron James, and my vertical is about twenty inches less than his. So, um, it's it's wishful thinking, but sometimes uh, when I do dunk on LeBron, I wake up and it's a it's a great uh, great dream that I just had. But you have a pretty interesting experience in in basketball. 
Yes. Uh, interesting to say, to say the least. One of my old, old uh, teammates overseas said that they could have written a, a movie about my, my basketball journey or just how it kind of worked out. So I actually played, played four years of uh, college basketball. Then I hung up the shoes. I was injured. I went into a, a corporate banking environment for three years. And um, actually then I was, I was just like, man, I, I got to go do something else. This is not what my uh, calling is. It's not where I want to be for the rest of my life. And uh, actually I, I was about to turn in my letter of resignation with no idea of what I was going to do. And two days before I did that, I got a call from a guy saying, hey, do you want to go to Europe this summer and do basketball missions work? And I said, where do I sign? That's exactly what I want to be doing. I want to be doing anything, not corporate banking right now. And um, one thing led to another. And I got to do some ministry overseas with basketball. And then I was at the right place, right time, and actually got to, got signed to play professional basketball overseas. So I went one summer for a six-week trip, stayed for 11 months, and uh, the, the rest is history. Wow. So were you playing all over Europe? I played, I played one season in northern Germany and then one season on the beach in Spain. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you that those are two very, very different places. <laughs> Um, so in Germany, they say, uh, I, I loved both of them. I won't talk bad about either of them, but in Germany, uh, I, I was there in the summer and it was beautiful. Germany in the summer is gorgeous. I signed my contract and it started to rain for nine straight months and got dark at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and, uh, that was a little tough on, on, uh, on me. Um, so the next year I got, I got an agent and I said, Hey, take me somewhere where there's sunshine, please and a language that I might actually speak somewhere else um, outside of Germany. And uh, the Lord got me placed and I got to go right to the coast of Spain, um, two minute walk to the beach, beautiful, uh, you know, 85 degree weather all year round. And uh, so the, the cultures are, are very different there. Um, so got a gr couple different great experiences, but yeah, most of my playing time was, was focused in Northern Germany and then uh, Southern Spain. So were you so you were playing on those two teams, but were you like traveling to different cities across Europe? Um, mainly it was it was like regional teams. So we went all the way across North Germany, um, you know, about three or four hours each direction. And then same with southern Spain. So um, I wish that I was in the top league where I would have been in the Euro League, you know, playing all over. But most of our stuff happened to be uh, pretty, pretty local, pretty regional over there. Well, that's so cool. Crystal will laugh, but uh, I, I, I'd take it easy on you if you and I were to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I, I might stick with uh, with just playing with my left hand and try to make it make it fair a little bit. So <laughs> plus and plus on your knees, Jake. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't doesn't, you know, look like it sitting down here, Keith, but I, I am six, eight. So or five twenty, if that might be more relatable to you. Well, here, here's a here's a interesting fact. This is why Crystal's laughing at me. I'm five foot, so. But <laughs> so when I say I'm going to take it easy on you on the basketball court, I mean it. <laughs> it'll be it'll be an easy easy challenge. I'd say I get it. I mean, I I remember probably third grade or so, fourth grade. I'm trying to remember when I was five <laughs> five, five foot tall. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so it, great. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so let's let's get into the the part here where we're going to talk about, uh, you know, our, our topic today. You know, um, Crystal, you want to ask the first question here? 
Sure. You know, first, I just want to make a comment that it's, it's interesting that, you know, all things are in his timing and planning. And if you ask, and uh, you shall receive if, if it's also in his timing and planning. And so I just think that's remarkable, your history in basketball and how you got into mission work and things. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. But tell us a little bit more about your Christian faith. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So my you know, testimony, I think, is, is a lot of it can be really relatable um, with a lot of people. I mean, I was one of those who was born into the Christian home. I think I went to church for the first time at four days old, literally four, four days old. Um, but then my faith really didn't become my own, you know, till, till after college, I went to college and I was, I fell prey to having my satisfactions in a lot of the wrong places, um, in basketball and how well I was playing that day in grades, in relationships. Um, and I think, and the Lord really humbled me a lot there. You know, when I, when basketball wasn't going well, or I was injured or having surgery, or I wasn't doing well, um, you know, I was turning to all the wrong places to try to get some of that satisfaction. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a real big part of my testimony of being able to come back to him truly, you know, after, after college and still things you still fight, you know, to this day of, of seeking satisfaction in all the wrong places. Um, but I'd say I really made my faith my own, um, you know, a couple years after college, and, uh, and it was right around that time that I was really saying, okay, man, I need to go do this more. Like I'm not in a zone spiritually. I want to go act and play and, and help out. And that's where the ministry actually started to go overseas to Germany. Like I had no intention of ever being a professional basketball player. Even when they said, oh, you know, you can go over, we can put on camps, you know, some of the better of you might get offered. Like, I was like, that's not me. Like I'm, I haven't, I played at a very low level in college. I've been hurt. I've been out of the game for four years. Like that's not, that's not for me. I, so I just went over there and, um, and that's just really when I think my faith was at the highest point it ever has. Like I'm literally getting a little tingling in my leg, just like talking about it. Cause I was just for six weeks, you know, we're, we're sleeping in church offices on the ground on cots. We're putting on Christian basketball camps. We're sharing our testimony at halftime. Um, and you know over there that's why we do it they don't it's hard to get germans to go into the doors of a church but they love going to sporting events so we bring the church to them so just being there loving on other christian brothers on the team um getting to go to all these camps and love on the kids and and then share the you know our testimonies in the city squares or at halftime of the basketball games um was a really you know pivotal point for me too and it was also a time i'd been like going through some counseling and it was just of like this people pleaser nature, like not there anymore. It's like, okay, who cares what my boss thought of me or these friends thought of me, but like I answer to one. And like, at the end of the day, if that's, that's the only person I really have to please, like I'm a people pleaser and not even pleasing, but just living your life for him there. So that was really the point where it made a shift for me, where I could kind of just let go of all the, you know, good and bad words of affirmation, whatever, like just kind of having them bounce off me um only saying okay you know i just have one person to answer to so that's when my faith was really um enlightened and and um built up and now you know to this day like i said trying to do everything i can whether it be work business basketball sports church stuff um just for the for the kingdom you know for his glory and and for eternity mindset versus you know this this worldly mindset so right you know what was it like to be a christian in europe um, it was, it was really interesting. I mean, 
uh, what's tough is like in Germany, it's like you're either part of the Protestant church or the Catholic church. Like, and it's almost like you like pay membership dues. Like you're very much one or the other. Um, so kind of this non-denominational Christian thing, it was very, um, very new and people are very rigid in their faiths. And so it's interesting because people think you're talking about the same thing, but like you kind of get the feel or the vibe that it's really not like your view, your view is more religion. My view is more relationship, you know? And, um, so that was tough. And then in Spain, they're like 98%, um, like hardcore, like Catholic, Catholic Christian, um, so a lot of the festivals and everything over there was honoring, you know, the virgins of of old and and more so, you know, not Jesus. It was, you know, Mother Mary or these virgins and that's who they're worshiping and that's who they were honoring. Mm. So they they think you're on the same page. But I'm, I'm, I'm like, we're not we're not talking about the same thing here. So um, that was definitely a little interesting. Yeah, it's always interesting to me. I'm, I'm a history guy. I I've studied the Protestant Reformation for years and years. Uh, and to think that in the same you know, area of Europe where Martin Luther confronted the Catholic church over their abuses and uh, you know, there's all these churches and, and just such rich you know, history of the church that, that people there um, are so highly secularized and what they say is that you know America's about 50 years behind Europe and what we're seeing here in this country is you know very um, strong secularization of, of our own country you know mm-hmm. church, church attendance is dropping people who are professing to be Christians or are dropping in this country and and even people who um, have just very basic understanding of, of the Bible, you know, of doctrines like the Trinity, you know, mm-hmm. any of the people who do go to church don't understand, you know, very basic um, doctrines that we would recite and say the apostles creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just very interesting. Was it, was it difficult to be a Christian when you were playing pro basketball? I'd say yes, yes and no. Um, it was, again, that was not the norm, um, in my kind of entire basketball career, but more so overseas, you know, I'm, I'm one of the only Christians on the team or one of the very few, uh, luckily in Germany, my host parents I lived with, they were part of the local church there. Um, that's actually how I got, they chose me at the end of the day. I was actually end up working halftime for the church, full-time for the club. They each paid half my salary and it was a win-win for everybody. Um, so I, I had my people there, but, uh, you know, the people on the team, they're very open. They're very receptive. You know, when you have four hour bus rides a couple of times a week, you can have some really good conversations. Um, the hard part was, you know, especially when in, in Spain, I wasn't living with my host family. I was living with three non-believers. And, you know, I think we all might have experience with that, that sometimes it's it's easier to get pulled off the chair than, than pulled up on the chair um, to lift other people up. So the hard part was being away um you know, from a a really rich Christian community. I had that in Germany. And then in Spain, I lived about an hour away from my church. It wasn't in the day-to-day. But otherwise, you know, in pro basketball, part of what we learned during our missions was just, you know, playing for him. So I I was hoping that people would see, you know, the way that I played, the way that I represented myself as a a true professional, the way I loved on the, the fans and the communities that people 
they definitely saw a difference there. Um, and that actually helped. So being a Christian pro basketball, having that platform, it actually helped because I was able to do a lot of um, outreach events, at least in Germany. We do these, you know, night ball events and have, you know, all the kids, you know, 50 people in the community come and play sports and games. And so being a professional basketball player allowed for some of those doors to be opened. Um, but, uh, you know, there wasn't there wasn't any hate. There wasn't any discrimination by any means, but it was just more so just really needing to be strong in, in the personal faith because you just didn't have a lot of that, a lot of that around you. Right. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you are there, you know, relationship building, you know, and spreading love and light. That is so important. You know, a lot of people get caught up in the religion itself and forget about, you know, the almighty and what we're really doing. So thank you so much for pointing that out. Keith, do you have any other follow-up uh, comments before we move on to the next question? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, now that you're not, you're back in the States, you're, you're, you're not playing basketball, at least professionally. Um, last I heard you weren't getting, um, recruited to train on, you know, help LeBron tra train. So, <laughs> you know, uh, how, how you're doing, you're in, back in the business world. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. I am. Yeah. My, my basketball right now, I, uh, I joke that now I'm just a, a washed up rec league all-star. So, um, still, still have it, but not, uh, not to the level I did before, but some of that sports ministry has carried over where, you know, now I, I lead our, our church team, you know, we play in a, in a rec center league here in, uh, in Inglewood. So still trying to do that sports ministry, you know, representing Christ on the basketball court. And, you know, even last night, so I'll, or Sunday night, I'll share, you know, we we played a team that we've played for three seasons now. They know who we are. They know we pray after the games and we always invite them. And and on Sunday for the first time, someone on the other team said, hey, I want to pray tonight instead of instead of you guys. And he prayed for everybody. And um, so just just little things like that where, you know, still getting to do some of the sports ministry here on a much uh, calmer scale, I guess you'd say. Wow, um, that's amazing. Can you tell us um, what is the name of your church? I, I attend Calvary Inglewood. So Calvary Church Inglewood. Um, do they actually have a, a location or are they in a school or where do they, they have, meet? They have their own location. Yep. Here in um, in Colorado and in Inglewood around Broadway and Bellevue. For oh, that's who, amazing. Who know the area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I used to attend uh, Calvary Hill, Ch Calvary uh, Chino Hills. And so I've been looking for a new church and I think that um, I'm going to come and visit your church. Awesome. You should. This Sunday, he's going to bring it. I know that for a fact. Sweet. <laughs> so, are you, so what are you doing now with your time? Yeah. So when I came back, uh, I came back right before COVID, which was kind of a godsend too, because if I would have stayed over for another season, I would have got, I would have got stuck over there. Um, and I've, I've done a lot in the last couple of years. I was doing some substitute teaching um, which led to financial coaching first for high school students and then for peers uh, when when COVID shut shut all that stuff down. So I did financial coaching. I've uh, done sales for a small business consulting company, and uh, most recently for about a just under a year now, I've been uh, full time full time into real estate. So I work remotely for a company called Whitestone Developments. We are based out of Cape Coral, Florida. Southwest Florida, and we build investment properties and provide investment opportunities for those who are in real estate or wanting to get into real estate from, from all over the globe. 
And we're also a, a very Christian-based company. Both of our leaders are former missionaries or from overseas. Um, so it's, you know, when I first came across them, it, it seemed very much to the Lord's kind of divine intervention that this is where I was supposed to be, working for people like that, doing something I have a passion for. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a great experience so far. So tell us more about, you know, what exactly Whitestone is doing with the investment properties. Absolutely. Um, man, we got so much going on. We're a, we're a very uh, moldable company and we have a lot of different opportunities. So our bread and butter, Keith, is we build investment properties for investors from all over North America. And it's a fully turnkey or hands-off system where we'll, we will help you find the right lot. We'll build you the investment property and we'll also fill it with a tenant and manage it for you and just send you a check every month, essentially. And the city that we do it in is really great for investors because people are moving to Florida like crazy. There's insane real estate demand and growth down there. And our city is only about 60 years old and it's only about 60% built out, 60% developed. So there are hundreds, thousands of lots for sale that we can build upon at any given time. And the way that it works, you know, new construction is so beneficial for gains, for returns for the investor where we can build you a house for 330,000 it might be worth 400,000 when we're done and that difference goes to the investor so then they can do a you know they can take a cash out refinance loan and get all of their money back and go do it all over again and we can because the city's only 60% developed so um yeah at, at the end of the day our, our bread and butter we build investment properties for investors all over the world, and we take care of everything for it and really help someone scale uh, that passive income. So this is, you don't have to be in Florida to buy these properties is what you're saying. Yep, correct. Most of our people actually aren't. And we've had people, I believe we've built, you know, 10 houses for who've never stepped foot in the state of Florida. They just collect 10 checks every month and uh, keep keep uh, repeating the process. Yeah, I know that, you know, where I am in California, we're one of the most, you know, the biggest states for the people are leaving mm -hmm. and and florida is the state where a lot of people are going i've i've known several people in who've lived in california who moved to florida uh, florida is actually the number one state that people are moving to i hear is it still number one yes yeah in 2022 i think and don't quote me on this but i think our population went up almost 400,000 people yeah. Um, there's a wow. U-Haul index that tracks where people are moving to, and 10 of the top 25 cities are in Florida. Four of them are in the Southwest, right where we are. Uh, Quick and Loan says that Cape Coral, our Florida is the fastest growing city in the country. Um, you know, ratio-wise, our, our population is going to double in the next 30 years. So when you talk about investing in rental properties, that's a that's generally a good place uh, to start. And we love your California people, Keith. I love get talking to a California person on the phone because everything that's not working for them in real estate is totally opposite for us and they love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Florida has some good things going for it. You know, the, the freedom uh, that, that people enjoy in Florida is not found in a lot of other places, including California. Um, Ron DeSantis uh, is doing a phenomenal job running that state. And, uh, and I'm really thankful for, uh, his, his leadership and, and, uh, and his backbone, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, taxes are pretty good there as well. Yep. 
no yeah. no state income taxes and yeah we're biased but we uh but we we like what ron's doing for sure so right you know my whole beef with florida is it's flat and it's too humid so but it is a beautiful <laughs> state the family was just there in, in november and and uh it was just such a stark dip contrast between you know the the miami area versus you know even orange county which is you know relatively well it's not relatively it's very prosperous but yet mm -hmm. here in Orange County, there's such a large homeless population and uh, the schools are really lagging. But in Florida, it was, you know, people could buy a house at a reasonable price and have some land. And and uh, I didn't see any homeless people. And, and uh, it was it was just a really uh, wonderful place. Yeah, we're, you know, we're definitely proud of it. We're, we're, we're talking about all the positives, uh, you know, of moving to Florida. I'm just kind of curious, Jake, how does one invest in real estate and what are the risks? So even at me being, I've been a real estate investor for about eight, nine years. Um, I've been full-time in it, like I said, just under a year with Whitestone. And I'm learning every day different ways that people can invest in real estate. Um, you know, I'm biased to the build to rent system that we do uh, here in Southwest Florida, because I see what we do every day for people. Um, and that's, you know, that's one way people can can reach out to do stuff in Southwest Florida plenty. But, you know, investing in real estate can be everything from buying a rental property. It can be renting out a spare room in your house or your basement on Airbnb. It can be buying a storage unit facility. It can be ground up development, which is taking an empty lot and putting something on there that people want to use. Um, tons of ways. Multifamily. You know. Multifamily. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're building these properties. Are you, is Whitestone, are they providing the mortgage for these properties and the financing or, or what, what all is Whitestone doing for their investors? Yeah, absolutely. So we have put everyone together to make it as seamless as possible for our investors. We do not provide um, builder financing ourselves, but we have a handful of preferred lenders that we get people connected to that can make things work for them, whether they're American citizen, Canadian, you know, depending on their financial background. So we help them get connected with the right lending source. They get a construction loan. Once we build the house, then they can get this you know, more permanent financing pretty much anywhere they want and it can uh, work out well for them. And are these uh, investors, are they looking for, um, you know, property um, value growth or are they looking for income or a little bit of both? Yes, <laughs> they're, they're looking, yes, all, all of the above. So, you know, with interest rates where they are, cash flow is hard to find a lot of places. Um, I know in Denver, you know, it's, it'd be really hard to buy something and be able to rent it out and get cash flow right away. So one of the things we have going for us is, you know, Cape Coral is one of the most affordable cities in Florida. So even with a high interest rate, we still are able to get cash flow for our investors and you get natural appreciation and growth that way and the forced appreciation from the build cost. I mean, someone can make 70K minimum-ish to their, to their bottom line in the first 12 months just from us building the property. So you kind of put all those together. So in your experience, Jake, what what kind of foundation or or when is someone ready 
to become a, a real estate developer because there's people who love real estate and I love real estate. Don't get me wrong. I think real estate's a phenomenal investment, but people get so in love with, with real estate that they think there's no risks, that it's going to be perfect. They're going to get a check every month and it's, they're going to, that'll pay their mortgage. But, you know, there are some natural things that, that investors need to have in place before they're ready to invest in real estate. Could you address that perhaps for us? Absolutely. I would say, you know, the first real estate that someone might want to invest in is something that they're going to use or live in themselves, their primary residence. That can be um, a great real estate investment when used appropriately. As far as getting into real estate as as an investment, um, generally, I think people should most likely be, you know, close to debt free. Um, I talk with people every day and they have X number of dollars to spend and they think, okay, I'm going to spend all of that on real estate. And I, I kind of advise against that, you know, just natural um, diverse uh, diversification, not putting all of your eggs in one basket and knowing that there definitely are risks, you know, even with ground up construction, we can, we can start building someone can buy a lot and we have to, you know, we advise against this for anyone who doesn't have a lot yet, but some people come to us with lots, we go to build and there's there's these uh, tortoises on the land and that costs $8,000 per turtle to get rid of or these burrowing owls or an eagle Um, or we hit a global pandemic and supply chain takes so much longer labor shortages and a house that was supposed to be built in, you know, eight months ends up taking double that. And, you know, it's not, uh, we would love everything to be cut and dry and just straightforward of saying, okay, you know, and now things are much better <laughs> now. I will say that where we have our processes back in line, but um, you know, we also don't know what the economy with, if interest rates go up to 14, 15%, I don't see that coming one bit, but as interest rates rise, that takes away cash flow, and that makes the cost of materials higher. So all of those things, you know, lower the margins on your returns. So even natural factors like a hurricane, um, there's protection against that. We were very well protected against that as well, too. But, um, you know, we know our, our God is powerful and, and things can change in a minute. So, right. I know that one of the things that I talk to clients who want to do real estate, even if it's just, you know, diversification away from their investments or if they want to be a, you know, a major uh, real estate, you know, majority of their investments are in real estate. I tell them they need to find ways to manage their cash efficiently and keeping the cash at the local credit union or or at a bank, you know, a national bank is not efficient. Uh, and, and one of the ways that that I want my my friends and, and clients who are in real estate to manage their cash is to have it so that they're constantly earning interest on it over and above, you know, the one percent they're going to get at the B of A. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my my clients who are in real estate are putting their cash in cash value life insurance because of the money multiplier where they can earn interest on that money in multiple different places. It's just a very efficient way to manage the cash. It's no. liquid and easy to get to, and, and uh, it's just very much more efficient than the bank account. Go ahead, Crystal. No, that's a great point, Keith. Um, I just wanted, you know, while we're talking about cash and and managing money, I'm just kind of curious, you know, what is the return of investment on some of these projects or what kind of projects have the highest return of investment? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put my disclaimer out there that nothing I say here is guaranteed. I don't have a, we don't have a crystal ball, but um, speaking of kind of cash management, it is a little bit different than that, but one of the things that we love, and if someone has enough capital where we point them to is we're actually building, you know, really nicer upscale vacation homes, Airbnbs on the water in Florida. And, you know, if someone has a good location down there, which we can help them get, we can build someone a really nice home for 950,000 bucks all in. And those are appraising and selling today for 1.3 to $1.5 million. So in a 16 month time frame, you know, you park, you park 20% of that for 16 months, and then you get it all back if you choose to sell or if you do a cash out refinance. So when you talk about return, people can get their 1% in a bank account, or they can put, you know, 200 grand into a property like this. And in 12 to 16 months from now, get the 200K all back and have, you know, 200,000 plus in equity or in wealth that they've created. So um, returns go pretty high when you don't have any money left in the deal. It's kind of this uh, infinite type return. <laughs> You obviously have some some great insights here into real estate. It sounds like you're just more doing a lot more than getting, you know, placing a property with an investor. You're you're actually serving. It sounds like a more strategic advisory role with helping them make decisions. You know, which property should I purchase or when should I sell it? You know, and and a lot of that kind of uh, of background. You know, that that is really conducive to being an effective investor. I mean, we, we as Christians or non-Christians alike, we need to have sound professionals guiding us to stop us from making irrational decisions. So it really sounds like you guys are, are into something really good here. Uh, how could one of our, our listeners connect with you if they're interested in, in learning more about your, your real estate opportunities? Yeah, I mean, connecting with me there's there's a few different ways. I think we might be able to have a, a link that could go in the show notes, but our our basic website that someone could go to and they'll end up uh, with me is going to be uh, a Linktree website. So just linktree.com backslash Jake Marvin Whitestone um, or our other, um, you, you know, you can email me as well, jake at whitestonedevelopmentsllc.com. And yet on, to your point, Keith, we have you know, my role is a, is a consultant and then also, you know, as director of investor relations now. So um, truly, I love it because I have the financial coaching background. That's what I loved at the bank. That's what I loved helping kids with back in the day. And now I get to do that with investors. So some of them are seasoned real estate investors and Florida is new to them. New construction might be new to them. Some people don't know anything and they say, hey, I have money and I know I should be doing something with it. What can I do? And we will dive into different models. We'll dive into spreadsheets. I, I've been up late the last couple of nights working on a spreadsheet for an investor to really lay it out. This is what you can kind of expect. And I love that stuff. And I love connecting with other faith investors. I was, I'm helping someone right now, you know, buy and build one of these Airbnb properties. And she's a believer. And, you know, at the end of the day, we can talk real estate all we want, but that's, <clears throat> that's obviously, I think what we all agree on is the most important stuff is using our time, talent, and treasure uh, for the kingdom. So I just feel very blessed right now that I get to help other um, investors, Christian investors, you know, multiply, not just addition, multiply their money, their funds for the kingdom, their treasure for the kingdom, 
knowing that it's going the right places. And that, that brings me a tremendous amount of, uh, of joy and pride every day. You know, I, I love the fact, uh, Jake, that you mentioned faith invest, faith investors. That's a pretty cool term that I've never heard. And, um, that you're a relationship builder, not transactional, which is phenomenal. And that you help leverage debt, you know, to, to find more prop to get more, you know, in return for your properties and among other strategies and, you know, location without turtles, you can find locations without turtles and cost you $8,000. That's all amazing. The things that you're doing for Whitestone. But, you know, what I'm interested in is in knowing as well as we all have side hustles. What, what kind of side hustles do you have, Jake? Um, honestly, real estate was a side hustle for a long time. Um, financial coaching was a side hustle. Uh, I've taken a, a little break from my side hustles because my main hustle can be turned into like five different side hustles with all the projects we're working on. I mean, I'm helping lead up one of a fund that people can invest in. We have multifamily opportunities people can invest in. We're doing the build to rent thing as our bread and butter. I'm connecting with other people, you know, outside of this who are doing real estate, other places who have great ideas. Um, so real estate's my main hustle and like my first four side hustles, uh, honestly, right, right now and trying to, to come above water and breathe every once in a while and see, uh, see where the, the Lord is pointing. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Jake. It was great to speak with you. Thank you too. And, and if I may just end on one thing, I was, I was at a conference recently in Jacksonville that was for <clears throat> business people and ministry people together. And um, it was actually hosted by one of uh, the business partners in this fund. And um, I just got a ton of uh, really valuable experience from it. It's Christian Media International, CMI. Uh, they have a great conference every year, so people can check it out if they want. But there was a calling. And th these people, they use media to fulfill the Great Commission, to get the Great Commission to people who have never heard it. And they say, we legitimately have a plan that by the end of this generation, we can have the Great Commission fulfilled. We can get the gospel in everyone's first or second native tongue to them in the entire world. The only thing holding them back and holding the Great Commission back is funding. They say money. Money is the only thing truly at the end of the day that's keeping the Great Commission from happening because there's a lot of people out there who are trying to fulfill it. And um, and they gave a great calling. They said, you know, and I think this hopefully might resonate with some listeners of if business people's priorities are in line correctly, which is God first, then your family, then your business. If those parties are in line, they said, go make $2 billion. Why are we satisfied or why are we thinking we shouldn't make a lot? But if your priorities are in line, and this is truly going back to the kingdom, you were called to business. Other people were called to ministry and you were called to go out and make a tremendous amount of money to give for the Great Commission. Um and so that was just something that really motivated me because I was always like, I don't, you know, is it bad to make a ton of money? And they're like, you're called for that. Go do that if your priorities are right. Um, and, and you know, the only thing holding us back, this literally can be accomplished in this generation. If people, you know, go out, go on their calling, give and give to the right places. So just to hopefully that encourages someone else like it, like it did for me. I still get fired up thinking about it. Yeah, that's a great point, Jake, and it really touches upon what, you know, I'm passionate about here at True Legacy Financial Planning and helping honor, you know, clients honor the Lord with their wealth. And, and you know, we talk about time, talent, and treasure, but very often, uh, or not very often, I should say, we're not talking to 
our children and our grandchildren about how to honor the Lord with the wealth that'll be passed down to them mm -hmm. uh, and, and training and equipping Christians to think biblically. We either have this unbiblical idea of the prosperity gospel, or we have the poverty gospel and none, neither of them are the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, God doesn't, there's no virtue in, in poverty and there's no virtue in being wealthy, but it's how you accrue that wealth and it's how you use that wealth to the honor and glory of God. So mm -hmm. definitely a big area. We could have a whole podcast on that, but we're, mm -hmm. we're running short on time here. So, you know, I want to remind our listeners that we will have Jake's uh, contact information in our show notes. Uh, and, and also, if you're listening to our podcast for the first time, please go ahead and, and smash that subscribe button and share the podcast with a friend and perhaps an enemy too. The Faith of Many podcast is successful because of our listeners like you. And if you have any questions or comments or Rotten Tomatoes for Crystal, please email us at faithofmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And last of all, remember, money isn't your master, but you are the master of your money. Crystal and I would love to help you in your journey to master your money to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jake.